Hello and welcome to Find Your Center. I'm Kim Perron, Certified Life Coach with the Center for Clarity, Compassion, and Contentment. I know that's a mouthful, so I call it Center 4C, but the name is meaningful and these qualities of clarity, compassion, and contentment are what we all need more of. So I thank you for listening. I'm here with Tisha from the Slightly Unmeditated Podcast channel, of course. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're having an off day. It's funny when I um, when I edit these, I'm always like, I wonder how I am today. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I was happy, happy, happy. That this was week- a fun episode. Yeah, I was happy. I did watch the documentary. I forgot to mention that off off microphone, but I did watch the documentary um and it was good. And then I watched one after that and your boy Rick Hansen was in it, was featured in it. I think I emailed it to you. Yes, I'm planning on listening to or watching them both and uh I just haven't had a chance to breathe these last couple of weeks. I've been busy with work and and it's August, so it's like crazy and family time, which is wonderful. I'm so happy to have yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And the summer, how did the summer end so quickly? It's beyond me, but I know. It's going crazy fast. Yeah. It has gone so fast. And I've had a chance to have um, my nephew visiting and so spending a lot of time with my dad and stepmom and nephew and mom and uh, all all of that goodness. So we're fitting in a lot of family special things and um, my own son too, squeezing him in there too, or he's squeezing me in there. Let's just be real about that. <laughs> when your son's almost 26, I'm chasing around. Don't you have time for your mother? Give me a call. But you know, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. So my husband used to tell me that when he was in his early 20s, um, before I met him in his late twenties, he, he used to tell his brother, he's the youngest of four children. And he'd, he'd say to his brother, cause they lived in, uh, two family home. They had apartments up and down and he, Dave with his friends and he'd say uh, to his brother, Bill, Hey, tell mom I'm alive. And then he'd be off like playing games and either tennis or golf with his friends. <laughs> and so I get, the, I get that little reminder in my head is like, son and like, hello, I love you, but you're busy with all your friends. So <laughs> my kid lives so here my- and I probably don't, sometimes I don't talk to her for like two, three days. <laughs> we still text <laughs> each other. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Yeah. I know. We were those same young adults, yeah. weren't we? Oh, for sure. I was out of the house by 17. So I was happy to be gone but then i was also like super happy to come back but then it became a problem because then you couldn't see everybody at the same time like did you move mm. away from home for college a little bit okay. yep yep for, for a bit then you have to prioritize but all my friends want to hang out and then your parents yeah and now i get of course now i get what parents feel like when <laughs> when they're the last to be chosen but at the same token i get it so yeah, it's it's all a part of life, all a part of life. Speaking of which, yes. Today's episode is dealing with regret. Talk about all a part of life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting timing for this episode. <laughs> Cuz you're not going to believe yeah. based on our pre-show conversation, you're not going to believe anything I have to say through this whole show. But let's just get on with it and <laughs> Well, I have to say that 
I, I enjoyed the topic and, and pulling this information together because there are categories of our regrets. There are ways to process them and move, move them into being more of a productive or powerful force in moving us forward. And we just wanted to share, share some information on this and, and thoughts that you may have. And I don't, I don't want you to feel a lot of times, almost all the time, you're so great at sharing so much of yourself and don't feel like this is putting you on the spot to be sharing regrets. Like I have a couple I'm willing to share, but you know, um, don't feel like it has to be a personal. I don't want you to feel pressure to be, have personal examples. We can be really just talking about examples as well. Okay. Well, I'll start by saying that my whole, I designed my whole life not to live with regret. So. Mm-hmm. If Excellent. my gut tells me to follow through something, follow through with something that may not make sense to anybody else, I'll do it. And we know some recent experiences that I've had where I would have regretted not doing what I did, right? So I still 1000% believe in that, despite our conversation before the show. <laughs> yeah. I am. No, that's great. I'm fully committed to that, and I've I've thought that my whole life, and it's always been a guiding light to me. I I don't want to live with regret. Good. I don't either. And it is interesting. It's the what is that cliche? I have no regrets. Um, but Daniel Pink wrote the book not too long ago. It's a pretty recent book, The Power of Regret: How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward, and in he. I should define it before I get into some of his core regrets. He His research found that there were categories of regret that he wanted to talk about. and But the definition of regret uh, is a negative cognitive emotional state that involves blaming ourselves for a bad outcome, feeling a sense of loss or sorrow at what might have been, or wishing we could undo a previous choice mm-hmm. that we made. Okay, so just get clear on what regret is. And he says in the research, he collected 16,000 regrets in a database. Can you imagine? How interesting would that work be, right? Woo! So there were, but there were repeating regrets. So obviously his research showed that there were like four main categories. And according to Daniel Pink, Um, First of all, we all have them. It's natural to have them. Uh, The only people that actually don't have any regrets, as he kind of jokingly says, are five-year-olds or people with brain damage or sociopaths. So (laughs) we we may we. (laughs) So you don't fit any of those categories. But but you but you've you know. But I think what you were speaking to is you, you live, you take your chances. You, it's going to come out in the information I share. It's like what you're saying is you, you seize opportunities. Yeah. I don't want to spend my life regretting things, but, but proactively, like even before all this life coaching stuff and mm-hmm. spiritual elevation, I, it was such a key tenet of my life. And so that's how I got, that's how I followed, you know, well, do I want to do this? Am I going to regret it? I don't know. And it's not a like a fear-based thing, like, oh, I'm afraid I'll regret it. It's more like, no, I don't want to have regrets. I need to see how this is going to turn out. Does that? 
Right. You don't want to look back later, which is one of the regrets. So, so out of the four regrets, the first one is foundation regrets. This is not saving enough money, not taking care of health, you know, maybe not working harder in school. That's a common one. You hear, oh, if I worked harder when I was in school or I, you know, worked harder at something. So basically foundation regrets are the, if only I'd done the work. Mm whatever work that is, like take better care of my health or save more, invest more earlier, work harder in school. If only I'd done the work. Those are foundation regrets. The next is boldness regrets. So this is like, well, many years ago, there was someone I liked, but I never asked them out or I never pursued the relationship. It's, you know, I didn't speak up. Maybe I didn't start that business. I didn't take that chance. And maybe I played it safe. Those are boldness regrets, which is what you were speaking to. You don't have that because you would opt for bold. And those are the, if only I'd taken the Mm. chance. I do have some of those, but, but fewer, fewer and far between only because I would think about it ahead of time, like what the regret factor would be. But like relationships, stuff like that, when you're like insecure and then you're weird about stuff. Yeah, that that kind of stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. The third is moral regrets. So there was this juncture in life for for moral regrets. There's this point where there was the right choice and the wrong choice, maybe a moral choice. And there was some breach of morality. So we can think of this as like an infidelity. Not that everyone regrets infidelity. So I don't, I I don't even Mm -hmm. want to put a connotation on that. I'm just like not interpreting that, but I'm just saying, if you did feel bad, it's that if, if only I'd done the right thing. And so whatever that is in, in whatever, you know, you could see that maybe in, in, um, many different examples in, in life or opportunities. Like if only I was there more for someone or, you know, that kind of thing. The right and wrong doesn't have to be like murder (laughs) or someone or not, or like cheat on someone or not. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of shades of the things that you might feel guilty about and, and have a regret over that. Those are the moral regrets. And then what he saw as the fourth category were connection regrets. You know, there was a drifting apart of friendship and then we let it happen because everybody gets busy. And then we think, oh, now too long has gone by. And then it's awkward. Oh, maybe I won't, you know, maybe that person doesn't even care to have a relationship with me. So we let things drift away. That's, that's the, if only I had reached out regret. So when they collected yeah, Daniel Pink and, and I'm sure a whole bunch of um, staff collected the 16,000 regrets. They could sort them in like these four categories. Wow. So that's that connection regrets, those people, people connections in our life. It's if only I'd reached out. And it might not have been an explosive parting. Again, sometimes it's just the drifting away. But you think later in life, like, oh, I would have liked that person in my life or I'd like to... Nah, now it's too late. Now and then someone regretting it later. So in some ways, these regrets or these categories are the negative of the good life. So if I were to do the mirror image of it, it basically shows what we value. It shows what at least those 16,000 people who shared regrets valued. We want love, 
relationships. We want a life with risks. We do want to take some risks in life. That's what people regret not doing that. We, we want to love people and we want people who love us. We, we want to connect and we want to do our best. And so with the foundational results, um, regrets, the result is that you know, people said, oh, if only I had worked harder, done more in this, this or that area. Any thoughts? No, but I just realized the other day I was thinking, you know, I really regret not moving to California when it was affordable. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's like, we can say, you know, mostly I live without regrets, but then we might think of something that we wish we had done. Yeah, like little little things like that, like in every category that you said, of course, I can think of some of those things. But a lot of that was like unintentional or maybe not necessarily on my radar mm-hmm. until it was a little too late. Um, but primarily, I think that I also have the perspective of if there are regrets, like, for example, if I had moved when I was young, when I wanted to, uh, I wouldn't have my kid. Yeah. You know, or, uh, you know, I wouldn't have people in my life that I have. So I usually temper that, you know, if anything kind of comes up, I don't usually overthink it because I think, well, there was other, you know, sure. That's, reasons for that. uh, that's a very common one. Cause even think it when, you know, when people get divorced or like, they're like, Oh my God, my spouse was terrible. That was so bad. Do you regret it? No, because I have my kids, you know, they would be different kids. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I joke with my son, he, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm too short. And I'm like, no, you're not stand next to me. I, <laughs> and, and then I go, well, your dad could have married a taller woman, but you'd be a different kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And actually, I have to say that really kind of leads me to the one thing that I, one of the things I think of as a regret that I, that I could share personally is I regret not having a third child. And really, at the time, you know, two was perfect. It was fine. Okay. They were both boys. I wanted a girl in there somewhere, but, um, busy life, busy job. It was great, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you zoom forward many years, and I, I kind of wish I had a daughter. I'm a little jealous that you have a daughter, and and wish I had a daughter also. Also, didn't unforeseen circumstances losing Jack. So it's the kind of thing I can't go back and redo. And I guess that's how it felt falls into the regret category. I know why I didn't. But if I could go back and do things over again, that's one thing I would change because um, as much as I loved my job and that all seemed perfect, you know, jobs don't love you back. And I, right. I think it would have been nice, you know, I mean, it's hard work raising a kid, not to be flip about that, but <laughs> I, I, I think I would have liked to try for a girl. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like th- things are different now. Like I wish my kid could have had like the cool 80s kind of. Uh, experience that I had, you know, where it was a little bit perceivably safer and things like that. So stuff like that always worried me about having kids, Mm. you know, it's just like a tough world to bring kids into. Interesting. Not that I'm against it or anything, right? (laughs) but for my own self, for my own self, like that was a thought in my mind. And then, you know, God had other plans, so I have only one. And I'm fine with that because if I had made other choices that possibly I could consider regretful now, you know, 
I wouldn't have her. I wouldn't have some of the experiences I've had. Right. And I've had some other things that were regretable that happened. But at the same token, again, I just cannot, I just don't maybe want to, I just don't like to focus on those and then feel bad about it. Things that were out of my control. Right. Exactly. And that leads me to the, what we want to avoid, which is really good at that. You are, you really do. (laughs) Like I'm not making this up. (laughs) You, we want to avoid making regret like a ruminating or suppressing uh, oppression, um, having the emotions be too strong about that regret. Uh, We don't want to continue to feel bad. We want to turn it into a lesson or kind of an understanding. And it's kind of the way we both described our, our personal ones is to, is to say, yeah, but you know, we mostly get it. We mostly get it. It's not something we ruminate on. It's not something that is suppressing an emotion. We, we get it. We get why we feel that way. And if, if we get too down on the regrets, and I deal with this sometimes in coaching because people can go through low moments and then there's a little too much looking in the rear view mirror, if you will. It's really distracting from the front windshield. If, if you know what I mean, like you're not going that way. Don't look in the rear view mirror. You're going forward. So now what? It interferes with resilience and turning a regret into a lesson or an understanding turns it into something positive and productive in your life. Right. Generally, that's what I would do. I would think, well, you know, I kind of regretted doing that. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then it gives me insight to move, you know, forward and, like make those some of those somewhat crazy snap decisions that I make uh, to, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this place or, you know, go on this trip or whatever it is that may seem a little strange to other people. But otherwise, I would live with the regret that I didn't do that. And that's just not something that I'm, I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to beat ourselves up over something we can't fix or change. That becomes too negative, too much stress in our body, our minds. Um, so some of the steps we can take is recognize our feelings so we can process them and release them. So we are having emotions. You know, maybe it's even a new regret upon us. Something just became clear. You know, anyone listening to this kind of thinking about, oh, do I have any regrets? What might they be? You want to recognize the feelings around them so that you can process those emotions. Is it sadness? Is it, um, you know, what are, what are the other feelings, Str- any kind of stress of it so that we can release them? We want to practice gratitude because that's, again, moving our brains to what's working in our life over what's not working in our life. We want to consider what we truly value and what we truly want. Again, that's the looking out the windshield. You're going forward. So, okay, what does this tell me about my values or what I, my wants? You know, maybe th- some things aren't too late. You know, in terms of people might, a very clear, easy example is sometimes people regret not finishing college and then, hey, they do it at 50 or 55. What the heck? And your mom changed her careers, right? Your mom did it. And it was, how great was that? How inspiring was she? Exactly. And, and after 25 years, like it took a while, but she still did it. You know, and I think 
part of, I like to think that part of that was my like drive to just kind of live, live that way. And she would often say, Oh, like, I wish I could do that kind of stuff too. And then she did like the big, the biggest one of all, you know, just up and quit and pursue that passion. So that was super cool, but it also kind of shows me genetically, you know, how it kind of maybe runs through the DNA. It doesn't surprise well. me at all that you showed her the way just by being yourself and being bold being bolder than maybe she felt like she could be and maybe even a generational thing. And so she looked at you living your life to the fullest and thought, hey, maybe I can do that too. That's wonderful. Yeah. For We also want to make that regret productive. So again, yeah, we, we consider how it reflects on what we truly value or what we want and then make it productive, how we move it forward. Sometimes that is saying, hey, it's not too late to whatever. Um, and maybe that's how we make it productive. Maybe it's just a lesson. Oh, I regret sending that email when I was really mad in, in a conflict with someone. It, it, that's kind of a smaller example, but they can be big interpersonal examples. And then it's like, you say, well, I wouldn't do that in the future. Right. You know? Yeah. That's why I use them as lessons. Like do no harm. The time I exploded at somebody or the time I sent that te- mad text or the time that I sent that email, those are those cringe worthy rese- regrets. And it keeps me mindful that I wouldn't want to do that again. And that's how you keep it you, or make it productive. There's also some research that I wanted to share. So in addition to Daniel Pink, um, this Neil Ross of the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, um, talked, studied young people. So when we're young, it can be very useful because talk about all the time you have to turn that into something productive. Um, students listed regret as rating highest on a list of negative emotions that fulfill five functions. So this is regret as an as a negative emotion that fulfills functions. And here are the five. Making sense of the world. So we can see where this is true. Like a regret kind of helps you start to interpret, well, I I regret doing this. Now I want to be more bold, perhaps. Um, Or more kind or more whatever, more or less of something. It also uh, helps in avoiding future negative behaviors. So it can potentially have the corrective action, gaining insight, achieving harmony, improving ability to approach desired opportunities, because presumably we regretted being passive in the past. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for young people regret, and maybe that's the beware, don't beat yourself up too much for young people, especially is you're learning and you're growing and how does this weave into the fabric of your life in a positive way? Yeah, I see a lot of advice by like younger people on social media where they're, um, you know, they're asking questions like, should I have my life figured out by 22? Like they feel so pressured yeah. to know what they're going to do in their life. And my own kid is going through that too, you know, and I'm like, Pfft. I didn't figure out what I was supposed to do. So I was 35. So I ha- I have grace for that. Like I'm um, aware of that. But I think the problem is a lot of 
other people aren't, so they don't have the same kind of compassion for people who who legitimately don't know what they want to do. And then these kids are like on anxiety medications and things because they can't, they, they don't have the answers and they're 21 already, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a couple of generations ago, we used to allow that in society, yeah. right? Well, I'm like, <laughs> it used to be okay. <laughs> I'm 48, and I still don't, you know, always know yet what's going on. So to, to like live in that, in fact, if I can t- um, add to your research, I just looked up on mindful.org. There's a thing where the nurse reveals the top five regrets. Have you, do you have this planned for later? <laughs> I don't want to no, steal your No, thunder. go for it. A nurse reveals the top five regrets of the dying. And the first one is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Mm -hmm. So we talk about that all the time. But I feel like when people are actually trying to do that, they hit a lot of roadblocks. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience. You know, when I'm, when I, talk about my crazy ideas and around how I try to get around things and make things work. You know, I, that's when I get the eye rolls and the, well, you, you should do this. And no, that's, but that's not how I operate. Right. So we're Mm -hmm. preaching this to people, be yourself, be authentic. But then the rest of the world isn't necessarily receptive to that. So it becomes a struggle. And then they end up regret doing it you know, right before they die, not doing it because they had to listen to all the static that was happening from the other people, mm-hmm. quote unquote, right? Yeah. And I did, I did have that as earlier. So I lied. I do have um, some more regrets from the dying, but before, okay. because we were touching on young people, I do want to back up just a half a second because the damaging effects of that self-blame you know, a pattern of negative, repetitive, self-focused rumination is a characteristic of depression. So say in an example, young people feeling like they are supposed to know exactly what they're supposed to do, then their internal, you know, inner critic, their internal mechanism is beating themselves up like, oh, everyone's figured life out and it's just me. No, no. Even when we look like we figured life out, we haven't figured life out. Like, like, that's it. We're all just winging it, right? Like, we might know a little bit more extra stuff because we've read some books and articles and watched a few documentaries. But, yeah, no one's telling you that, oh, by the way, your brain naturally operates in caveman mode. And so, like, all that rumination <laughs> isn't really healthy. And so maybe you should do something about it. No one tells that part. They say, oh, you have a degree. And well, now you need three more before you can even get a job. That's not going to pay for your student debt, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think too, I, even as an example, I felt like I did know exactly what I wanted to do when I was young. Didn't stop me from having setbacks and rerouting and changes when I was a little bit older. So like young people looking at people who have it all together. Well, it doesn't mean that at some point we're not dealing with it all falling apart. Right. Right. And we're all on the same kind of, you know, we're all in the same ball game here. Like no one came out knowing everything. Right. I mean, unless there was some weird reincarnation situation happening, we're all new to every day. Right. So something. So, again, even if you're like highly qualified for 
thing that you absolutely know you want to do doesn't guarantee like that's what's going to make you happy. How many stories I've heard just even on my own podcast with people, well, I started out as this, but, <laughs> sure. you know, and I have a, a passion for those people. Like I have a passion for those stories who uh, of people who, you know, they were so worried and frazzled and everything. And then ultimately, like their purpose was just, you know, the, the easier route, the one that made sense. Sure, sure. And uh, so a couple of the others that were, and you might have them right there as well, like sort of that, what are the regrets of the dying at the end of their lives? Mm -hmm. So the information that I had, and I don't know who for yours, was Tenzin Kiyosaki. She's a hospice nurse and um, Buddhist nun. So she would spend like six months with people at the end of their lives. And she wrote a book called The Three Regrets, Inspi Inspirational Stories and Practical Advice for Love Forgiveness mm -hmm. at Life's End. Not mine. But and so, yeah. okay, so it's a different one. So um, I'll tell you the three things on my list, and then you can grab any others. that Because you had a list of five, and I have a list of three. So let's, let's see where we can add. Um, I did not live the life of my dreams was one. I did not share my love was another, which is, you know, say what was really in my heart, say what you need to say. And the third, I did not forgive. And she felt that this was possibly the biggest was forgiveness, which forgiveness is a gift you give yourself to because you release yourself from the pain of hanging on to a grudge or an yeah. anger. Makes It makes life a lot easier. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I don't think people realize that, like, letting go of whatever someone else did you wrong isn't, like, excusing them, but it's, like, taking you out of the equation. And I thought Steve Jobs had a great quote, too. Um, Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. Mm. So this was his thoughts when he was dying, mm. that all of a sudden the realization right. was that the fact that we are not eternal beings was always there. But you notice how we sometimes live in the myth that we are, yeah. that we have lots of time. And, yeah. and so, you know, he, he's basically speaking to the fact that we may feel that certain things make us too vulnerable. But that's what he means by we're already naked. Yeah. Because we we are human and we are mortal right. and we will die at some point in some way. Right. So that's why everybody throws that cliche around, you know, live every day like it's your last. But mm -hmm. how many you would do something different. But right? how many really? Yeah. I, I well, and do. You can't be irresponsible, right? Live every day like it's your last. Right. Of course. Like, oh, I woke up tomorrow. <laughs> of course. But, you know, tell people you love them and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. My that's, that's free and easy. <laughs> well, not for, not for everybody it, though, right? Precisely. Say what's in your heart. Precisely. So my five list is a little, a little different. Um, the first one I'll just repeat was I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Mm. Uh, this one's similar. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had 
stayed in touch with my friends, and I wish I had let myself be happier. Ah, yeah, yeah. Let myself be happier because at the end of our life, we realize how much we were stressing or worried along the way, and rather than carefree and full of wonder. Well, I think a lot of what I've learned is making those um, those things become more apparent as well. Like again, I already had some innate sense of. What's the point? You you only go around once, you know, kind of, you got to kind of try it all, get the experience without regret. But then at the same time, like, huh, (laughs) I forget to have the fun in that part, you know, trying to do the adulting thing. And then you have to be reminded, like when you look at little kids or animals or, you know, somebody that's just dancing in the street because they can, you know. People are embarrassed by those people. I, even I was. I mean, even I was. But now I stop and think, like, oh, lucky them. How lucky they are mm-hmm. to not care what other people think. Yeah, it's huge. So at the end of your life, you'd be like, what did I care about what other people think for? Mm. Why didn't I, you know, find joy or just be me um, or follow my dreams? What did you say? The uh, I posted something and you... The teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. I said I loved that. felt like I won an Academy Award with your <laughs> thank you speech. Yeah. Oh, because I was thanking you so much. I felt so good after listening to last the last episode on happiness. And so I guess I wanted to say what was in my heart. See? Yeah. I don't regret that. No, well, I mean, we do, we're good examples of that on the show. Like, we're not making it <laughs> up. or I We're too honest sometimes, I guess. You know, and that's the other thing. I don't regret that, which is so strange. But doing these shows and whatever I say, because I have to, I have to re-listen to them. You know, I'm forced to re-listen to them when I edit them, and so I just have to be okay with whatever's out there. I mean, it's not necessarily easy to say this stuff, but it gets easier and easier, and then you get like feedback like oh i wish i had said that you know or i wish i had done that yeah then it makes it worthwhile yeah i mean it's we could be regretting and criticizing everything we say on every episode right oh. when we when we re-listen so we have to just kind of let it go and and this is a boldness thing i suppose too that we just go and we want to speak what's on our hearts and what we think people would like to listen to and, and yeah, there's, but there's many ways where I hold back. So that was just an example where I wanted to throw a little sunshine your way (laughs) and acknowledge the wonderful work you do producing this show and making all find your center work and all the great episodes you do on slightly unmeditated as well. And, but this is not to say that there's not a whole bunch more I should be saying and sharing and appreciating with people too. So I, I need to keep that in mind. The one thing that you had on your list of the dying that I do think about a lot is most people don't go to their deathbed saying, I wish I worked more. Yeah. I know. Yet most of our lives, we push ourselves with work and we think it's extremely, extremely important. And in somehow, in some ways kind of lost that it was sort of a means to an end. It's, it's a livelihood. It's how we support our family. And it, be, it becomes 
like the most important thing sometimes for some people. Did you ever see the movie Click with Adam Sandler? No. Oh, you I have haven't. to. Why do I always that? say no? I know. I don't watch enough movies because this is sounding repetitive because you always ask me if I've watched a movie and I always have to say no. That's right. Absolutely watch that one though because it's about okay. him. <clears throat> long and short of it is he gets a remote control that he's able to control his life with. Oh, I see. And it's, a lot of Adam Sandler's movies have the same, like, story ending and the same, but this has, like, such a great moral. It was done done really, really well, and it was it's one of my favorite movies, actually, um, based on the concepts. But it's a lot about regret and all the different ways that you can accidentally regret a lot of things in your life. So... I highly recommend if you, it's a fa- it's mostly family friendly. So, I mean, it's something you could watch while you're with everybody. But yeah, I'll have to check that out. Reminds me too of It's a Beautiful Life was about regret. You know, maybe, maybe everyone would be better off if I just didn't existed and, and, and if I hadn't existed. And then in that Christmas movie with Jimmy Stewart, he, the angel shows him, well, there's a whole bunch of things that unravel if you never were here. And we can't just, it's it's like uh, pulling out pieces and having everything fall and change. So sometimes we might regret things, but it might have changed a lot of our story or could have changed other elements. Isn't, isn't a Christmas carol like that too with Scrooge where the angel of the past, present, and future shows them, yeah. Good point, because there were regrets. Yeah. And there was a relationship in there that he was just too curmudgeonly to be able to uphold, I think. Yeah, well, let's face it. And at the end, he regrets how he treats Tiny Tim and uh, the guy I mean, who works for him. think about how many movies actually have the underlying theme of regret the grinch i mean a lot of them are christmas movies ironically but yeah but you're right and i bet we could think of a whole many whole bunch more now that you mention it yeah oh my gosh there's probably a list on google somewhere top 50 movies of regret yeah well (laughs) it's a common theme like people again it is are not doing not always doing what they want to do but doing what they feel like they're supposed to do or something i've just not subscribed to that always so right or being overly focused or obsessed about something and yeah now that you mention it a lot of movies have that as a theme because it's such a human trait exactly so we watch these in hopes i mean most of the moral of the story ends in hey pay attention and don't have these kind of regrets like don't forget to tell people how you feel or you know, show kindness when you can and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, pretty much every movie probably has regret in it. You really have me thinking here in real time. On it's so true. I'll, I, I, I'm going to actually watch movies with that, uh, looking for that theme now that you mention it. I have a few more coping methods too. So obviously we've already talked about harnessing sort of that functional aspect of the emotion of regret. Cause it's like, what is it telling us? Get self-reflective. How does it serve us? What is it telling us? And if nothing can be done to change whatever it is you regret, make sure you let go. Don't get stuck in self-blame and self-regret. 
Um, make sure you aren't taking too much blame. You know, sometimes the ego can keep just drawing a lot of negativity to yourself, too much self blaming about something that happened that you maybe were a part of, but you weren't all of the problem or there were other conditions that were the problem and make sure you're reframing this regret a little more positively. You know, life's a journey and we do need to meet life with equanimity, meaning taking, taking what comes up and it's not all going to be good. We're going to have things we regret. That's a human emotion. So I Googled top movies about regret and click was number one. <laughs> a Chris, you are a wizard. A Christmas Carol was actually on there as well. Oh, there you go. Boy, you are quick. There's a couple on here. I don't know. That was a good one. Three billboards outside of Ebling. That was a little strange. Field of Dreams. Oh, Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. Some I don't know about. Some of these I don't know. But I just love that Click was absolutely the first one on this list. What what were the ones you don't know? Maybe those are the movies I have watched. (laughs) When Um, I think about it. How often I say A Quiet Place I have not seen because I don't like scary movies. I don't like scary movies either. Yeah, The mm-hmm. Unforgiven, The Invisible. Some mm-hmm. of these I don't even know. Um, the Big Chill. I, I don't actually know if I've ever seen The Big oh, Chill. Oh, I haven't, but I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It's from 1983. I was only 10, so I have to catch up on that one. While you're watching uh, Click, I'll be watching <laughs> The Big Chill. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds I think. Good. Yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy a click from that perspective because, you know, we don't get remote controls to change our lives that way. So like it gives you a little bit more, uh, motivation to make more mindful decisions instead of, you know, coming from some other place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does remind me too that taking that pause. Right. A lot, a very, very common regret is like losing your temper, having an emotional outburst, being triggered by something. And I think mindfully recognizing the emotions that are coming up for us, realizing you do not need to respond immediately to everything. Give yourself a little space. That might be a good just coaching technique. When I think of some of my regrets. It it was when I was maybe emotionally charged. And I know it's hard for, hard for anyone to believe me losing my temper, but no way. <laughs> In a past life, I might have been a little hot headed. <laughs> well, and the onus is on us too, because like, if you took those immersion, uh, you have this other uh, avenue now, like for emotional outbursts, people are putting it online. And you know, you can't take that back because someone can screenshot that and it will live in infinity. So now there's like this extra layer of, oh my God, regret for the rest of your life, you oh, know? So true. Or even screenshotting your texts and yeah, sharing it publicly. So that I hadn't even thought of that, but we do, we do want to pause. We do want to pause a mindful approach is another thing. Take a mindful approach to life and your emotions and understand understanding and giving time for what's coming up for you and not reacting too fast. Um, one thing also, when we grow from regrets, self-compassion helps us benefit from regrets in actually a very obvious way. 
when we are kinder to ourselves, we can turn it into a lesson. If we are beating ourselves up, therefore not having self-kindness, not having self-compassion, then we are not, we're more stuck, we're more ruminating than we are turning it into something productive. So that self-compassion has a way of orienting us around regret to embracing regret more of an embracing and a willingness to learn from it, be self-reflective, um, use it for self-improvement. All good stuff. Works for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your thoughts and your movie suggestions and your quick wit on this topic. You won't regret it. You won't regret <laughs> watching those movies. That's right. It'll be great. So thank you so much, Tisha. And we hope you're feeling a bit more centered. We'll be back next Tuesday with another edition of Find Your Center. You can reach out to me at kperone at center4c.com or connect with us at the Slightly Unmeditated Facebook and Instagram page or email us at goodvibes at slightlyunmeditated.com. That's all for today. I'm Kim Perone, helping you to find your center. Each time you do, you build a better world. My heart is full. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you again. Until next time, I wish you clarity, compassion, and contentment.